0: You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit CAC.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackie Lewis, and this is Love Period, a podcast about how to love ourselves, our posse, and the world fiercely, on the way to making the world better. How pleased am I to welcome my sister, daughter, friend, congregant, the justice doula mickey scott bay jones mickey and i've written together she's spoken at our revolutionary love conference mickey's healing work inspires me and i think our conversation will inspire you hi mickey
1: (laughs) hi jackie how are you doing uh, you know, it's day by day, but today I feel pretty good. Tell me about the day by day, and then tell
0: me why today's good.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, you know that uh, this whole time through COVID has been very deeply personal, personally impactful for me. Yes. In that I, you know, lost my mom to COVID early on in the pandemic. Yes. While other people were still kind of... You know, thinking about do I wear a mask? do I not? do we keep doing church? do we not um Is this real you know, my mom was already sick in February and March mm-hmm. and um when it was still hard to get a test yes um was in the hospital, you know, yeah. and then she died April fourteenth so kind of going through the whole pandemic and then the grief parenting three children through a pandemic, and that impacted their schooling. The the whole entire way I lived and worked, everything changed. And honestly, too, it, it um, brought to the surface some stuff with my body hmm. that I didn't know was there to that extent. It's mm-hmm. revealed um, some chronic pain and inflammation and fatigue that I had been able to ignore until the kind of impact of sitting at home on Zoom in back-to-back meetings all day, every day, that that revealed about what was going on in my body. And so just navigating on all of that on top of just what was happening in the world and being a person who holds that alongside of and with a lot of activists and organizers and clergy folk you know, some days are really hard and heavy. Yes. And some and some days are full of unexpected immense joy. And you know, with my kids, they keep hitting their milestones, even though, <laughs> you know, the world is doing what it does. The other day I helped my daughter find her first apartment. You know? Wow, so really yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, How did so she do So it's now? like, you know, she's How? twenty she'll be twenty one soon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) it's life, you know, life keeps lifing and so every day is is different. But today I feel like I've been gentle with myself. I've I've nourished myself well, you know, made sure I stopped and ate and started the day with a good cup of tea and, you know, been able to laugh with my coworkers and it's been a good day.
0: I'm so glad. I'm so glad I had a hustly kind of day today like a good day in which I had to drop in going to get a new mic because uh, I'm in and out of town and um, <laughs> I left my microphone set up in my country New Jersey space um, so uh, but but it's beautiful here in New York today people are bipping and skipping you know that's my favorite expression some with masks some with <laughs> not. <laughs> Um, I got to be at the site today with a couple people from the church. So uh, I think there's something about finding the goodness in the day. Something that, about right. finding the goodness in the day that makes makes the day good. Just Justice Jula, I feel like I've you and I have been growing up together these last years. And I, I'm always thinking, Mickey, about your uh, resilient spirit and your... Um, you know, really huge heart, and I wonder, you know, where does that come from? How are you? How are you kind of joyful and resilient in the midst of, you know, losing mom, raising kids, the work you do that means that you carry other folks' stuff on your shoulders, uh, movement building. How do you? How do you source yourself? You said tea today, laughter. How do you source yourself? Hmm.
1: I think this is um, an ever-evolving journey for me. Mm-hmm. I struggle with kind of naturally gravitating to what's wrong
0: mm-hmm.
1: or what needs to be fixed in the world, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? It's, it's right. In a way, it's a superpower to, to be able to walk into a room and say, something's up here. Something's not right. Right. And and then also be compelled to want to change that. That's that's a yes. that's a that can be a beautiful thing. Yes. Um, but where I can get stuck in the in the what's wrong. Right. Um, so I have to work to cultivate what's right, what's good, hmm. what feels good. And yep. so I think that's where my resilience practice is. For me, movement is a big part of that, like physically hmm. moving my body. Mm-hmm which I'm discovering a new relationship with as I have, you know, come to terms with this chronic inflammation and pain that I carry. I've come to terms with movement, maybe being different uh, in, hmm. you know, in my body than it has been before, but movement for me, being able to dance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: being able to be, I love going upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's okay. something about, you know, uh, I I have this, This feed-up trainer that allows me to do inversions and oh, cool! Yeah, so I love the feeling of kind of flying upside down, Mm -hmm. and that includes like within my dancing pole dancing. (laughs) Pole dancing (laughs) (laughs) because you know you're flying. Like I am able to spin around and go, and I can climb a 12 foot pole and. You know, I feel so strong and mm. I'm mm. I, I'm able to practice gratitude for my body. Yeah. And not because it can do the same thing all the times, but you know, I can have a conversation and today I can do this and I can be thankful for that. I can thank my my legs or my arms. And so it comes from when I can be grateful and be be connected to my body. Yeah. And and I think also just I have people, I tend to be around people or or connect to people who know how to experience rest and pleasure because I don't, I'm not so good at it. You know, like, again, I come in, I'm looking for the stuff that needs to be fixed. I need to do the things. And somehow I keep getting gifted in my life with people who are really good at kicking back and watching a movie or, you know, we need to go outside and play. It's sunny today. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and I and I go with them, you know. Yeah. So, I Good. it's I, those other people that I learn from too. You know the, how to experience, how to go out and capture a little bit of joy for the day. Yeah, I
0: love uh, that you thank your legs and arms. I love that you can fly on a pole. Um, I remember when I first got to Middle Church, where my members wanted me to go pole dancing with them. I, I think today I would go. Then I was like, really? Is that is that pastoral? <laughs> <laughs> Do I want that picture of Jackie spinning <laughs> right. I don't know. Let me see. That would be really fun. This idea of pleasure and rest, pleasure and rest. Did we go up thinking pleasure and rest was a part of being a good girl, a, a, a good person, a <laughs> leader? I, I don't. I don't think so. Mm-mm. I and, sure didn't. Right? And you know, we're we're I'm a couple years older than you, but like I don't know that that was in the story of good girl. Let's have some pleasure <laughs> and some rest. No. Thank God for the discoveries, right? That pleasure and rest are part of loving ourselves. I, I hear you saying, and I know you to know, that it isn't like you are a fate accompli on that stuff. You're in a journey. You're in a process. You have people around you, posse around you, that help you think about, about that. But if you were just going to say uh, maybe how are you giving birth, doula mama, to, <laughs> a, to a more self-loving, more restive, more pleasure-seeking Mickey, Scott Bay Jones. How are you doing that?
1: Well, I will say for one thing, I actually schedule myself into my calendar. And I schedule my, like, actually every, usually every Sunday, um, I'll take time and look at, at the week ahead, right? And I will schedule mm-hmm. out, you know, my meetings and everything. I, I'm kind of old school. I keep both a paper calendar and a Google calendar, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Partly because my team is like, we need to know what you're doing. Can you please put it in a calendar? <laughs> right. So, so I have to sync up that right. paper calendar and the and the Google calendar. And then I go through and I have a couple of places where I take dance classes. So I put mm-hmm. in my dance classes cuz that's for me. Yeah. And I'm pretty generous. I spend the money I want to spend on my dance classes cuz there's mm-hmm. something about it. And and some are stretch and some are, you know, more dancey, whatever. And then I schedule in you know things that keep my body working well, you know, different you know kinds of therapies that I have to do, you know yeah. and and so i I make it a priority in a way by putting it on my calendar,
0: yeah, that's beautiful, so that's
1: a that's a huge way that I do it. um but I you know there are other like things that I think are kind of weird for me i'm I kind of require myself to read a a fiction book once a year, because I I just don't read fiction, you know? I'm always reading something that I can learn from or a theology book or whatever, so I'm like, okay, read something that's just a story. Yes. Because I think it's good for us, too, you know? It is.
0: It's a good story. (laughs) Gardner C. Taylor used to say, preachers need to pay attention to the New York Times bestseller list and read them, but also read the way they describe the books to improve Mm, your preaching.
1: Yeah. That's right. So, you know— and then i yeah i mean i just i'm trying to slow down mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like i have been running for so many years mm-hmm. and you know you can run and hustle even if it's healing work even if it's movement work especially if it's movement work um you know if it's Pastoral work, whatever, like anything can become capitalistic, can become part of the hustle culture of like, you have to get everything done all the time. And I talk about those messages. That's what I was raised with is like, you have to achieve, you have to get it done. It needs to be done now, it needs to be done perfectly all the time, every time. And I have, I'm learning to shut it down. And actually just rest at the end of the day. I do not need to be on my computer doing emails at 8 o'clock at night. And I've just always, always pushed it all yeah. the time. And I, I'm, I have to stop. I just can't do it anymore.
0: I just can't do it anymore. I think I say that about once a day now. <laughs> she has it. Seriously, right? You know, you lost your mom. Yeah. I lost my mom in April, you know, four years ago. I felt, Mickey, that my mom, who had given birth to me, plugged me into her, in a way, when she was dying. Like, she was on the machines and, you know, lung cancer, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But also, like, she, I feel like she put me into um, some kind of umbilical relationship with her and plugged me into her and was breathing back out to me Let's finish growing up. I wanna know if you relate to this at all. Like, I just, I'm grown, mm. very grown. And, but I think there was something that finished in her living, dying space where she was giving me a little something, something, a little something, a little more love of self, a little more something mm. that I think has changed me. I don't know if it's too soon to know if that's true for you. Mm-hmm. But did your mother give you anything that helps you love you differently, love you more?
1: Well, my mom wrote a couple of letters to me before she died. I think she actually knew she was dying. The way she felt, I think, with this mm-hmm. with COVID felt mm-hmm. different than any sickness mm-hmm. she had ever felt. Yeah. And so she was scared. Right. And she- she- So I think, you know, she wrote these letters and she said, you know, that she had tried her best Mm -hmm. um, and that she had tried to love me and to do the Mm -hmm. best she could. And children don't come with a, uh, you know, a manual. And so I did the best I could. And she wanted me to know that that she loved me. And we didn't have kind of the, you know, my mom's my best friend, like, (laughs) mushy-gushy relationship. Mm -hmm. We weren't like that. Mm -hmm. It was complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, many of us have these complicated relationships with our parents, Mm -hmm. and particularly with our mothers or mother figures. And I think what I knew from watching my mother's life, and she had another close call with death several years ago, and then this, is that I want to be able to... To love well while i 'm here, I want to feel I want to feel like i 'm communicating that love well mm-hmm. um, that i 'm connecting with the people that I love that i 'm saying the things I want to say now, mm-hmm. and I think that that is part of what what i 've learned from her passing is is to just like I need to do it and say it now. I need to invest in the people that I love there's not going to be a, a better time. Right. To, you know, love my children or to, to, like, make sure that I'm spending time with them. And, and so I think that that is kind of, you know, the big lesson that I'm trying to connect into now, you know?
0: I love that. I love that. Love Period will continue in a moment.
1: Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage.
0: there is no sense that we have all these tomorrows to manifest what it is we want to do, and where we want to be and how do we want to love? Right. So there's no, there's no, there's no guarantee about that. Mickey, you've got three kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, uh, I finished my book. It's coming out in November. Fierce love. And, um, thinking about these three you know, love, self love neighbor. I'm saying love posse love God the big three from our rabbi and often in these conversations posse feels like people like our friends our girlfriends you've got a giant network of people we have lots of that network in common but you have three mickey scott bay jones people who (laughs) 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 who are you got your dna and stuff right so yeah what is it what is it what are the lessons for, you know as you think about how you love you how you're loving you differently better slowly with pleasure and rest What about your kids How are you you know how are you teaching them what do you what do they teach you what's the what's the what's the feeling of transformation and that love dynamic of your kids as your posse to love, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I have a a closer answer and one that's been with me for a while. First, you know, I talked about this at the Rev Love conference, but you know, I'm, I'm seeing grief right now as this refiner's fire, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it will burn away all the things that don't matter and just bring forward what is absolutely necessary What is underneath. And so I think in particular right now, as I've been grieving my mother, part of that is grieving things I wish I had said that things I wish we had worked out, you know. And so there's just, you know, ways that that grief is clarifying what it looks like to love my children well. Yeah. Um, And to love anyone in my life well, like what actually really matters. Mm-hmm. How do I actually want to, what do I want to cultivate in my relationships with them? Um, and with their friends and the people that are important to them and, you know. Yeah. And then I've always uh, joked that my children are like the best Bible study I could have ever had. <laughs> <How sweet. laughs> you know, because it's yeah. like you want some living illustrations that you got to work through. They're right Mm -hmm. there as a, you know, as small people. And my kids, I had mine three years apart on purpose. I wanted them very close together, but not too close. And so, you know, when they were little, that was pretty intense. And, um, you know, now they're almost 21, 18, and almost 15. And, um, you know, that's, I, 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 you know, used to think parenting would get easier as they got older. And I was apparently very wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah. because, you know, they still need you just in different ways. Um, And teenagers are kind of like big toddlers, you know? Yes, yes, Um. they are. Let's let's tweet that out. (laughs) Right. So, you know, my kids have always kind of helped me focus on what's important. When they were very small, I had to come to terms with a lot of my own anger. My children. What were, you, what, are what were you
0: angry about? What were you angry about, Love?
1: Oh, everything. <laughs> I think just everything. I, you know, all the stuff. I think from being raised by my mother. I think we had a, you know, there were generations of anger. Got it. Um, yeah. Th- yep. Right. Just. Yeah. And and part of that comes from how we as Black people have to shove our anger down, right? And so then yep. it it spills over into our children. Yes. Um, because they're the ones who can take it. We're the only people we're legally allowed to hit in the United States are our children, right? right. So it be, they become the people that we're able to just, you know, get that rage out, and it's kind of for their own good. And and we have learned that you know we have kind of often bought into like I need to teach you how to stay within these bounds so that you don't get killed. Like it's right. it's also a safety mechanism let me let me beat you into submission so that you will then know how to submit out in the world like
0: yes sadly you truth know. sadly truth
1: yeah, yeah. Um, you know bell hooks talks about this how it's you know it's done 100% out of love or mostly out of love and it's just the best we have and so i had to all of that i kind of came to grips with parenting very young children and feeling this anger rise up in me feeling this need to like control them and make sure they would be okay. Mm-hmm. You need to know how to obey. And at that point, I believed in a God who needed us to know how to, to obey. obey. Sure. So that was my main thing, was to teach these children how to obey God so they wouldn't burn forever in hell. Oof. And I was just terrified that if I didn't teach them that, they would, they would be separated from me forever in a terrible right. place. So all of that came up for me. Um, yeah. You know, I've I've been able to deal with my own sexuality as I've, I wanted to raise them with a different understanding of their sexuality. I wanted them to be able to come to me if they had any questions, if they needed condoms, you know, whatever it was. And then as they were teenagers, and I had been working with teenagers for a long time, but as I became aware of how, of the statistics around Christian parents putting their children out on the street Oh my and God. I was like, absolutely not. I couldn't do, right. I was just like, if this is God, I, I, I'll go to, I'll, then I, I'm done. I, I don't need right. that God. It was like, it was that Huck Finn moment. Well, I'll, I'll just right. go to hell then. I, yeah. I don't want it. And that ra- that really, really radically changed my mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. And so my children have been, that that love for them, although it's been yes. imperfect and messy, it has shaped who I've become and had, and it has you know really radically helped me deconstruct and reconstruct my faith
0: I love that Mickey. you know I think it is really true that who we think God is is born in in um relationship who we think we are is born in relationship, formed in relationship your children your posse that is your your young people, your children kind of giving you the i don't know petri dish let's pick a word you know the the <laughs> <laughs> the clay to shape a new sense of who God is, that's gorgeous to me. That sounds like mm. exactly what's supposed to happen. And that Ubuntu place, you know, want somebody I yeah. work with, I'm, I'm not going to say who because I won't be nice, the other day was like, Oh, I'm so sick of hearing about Ubuntu. I said, Are you really sick of hearing about Ubuntu? What what's your name? Who are you? Why are you?
1: <laughs> Where'd you come Having from? Have a bad day.
0: I know, you must be having a bad day. It sounds good in the mouth, right? But that, like, we're becoming all the time. We're becoming all the time in relationship to each other. So it's beautiful to think about your children raising a new Mickey theology. Yeah. I like that that idea. So you are, um, you, you, you love somebody, um, I, I, I'm not trying to put your stuff out out, but I, I just do. know that a lot, of, a lot of the time that we've known each other, you've been kind of hoping, you know, to love somebody, and you do. So, how does that love um, nurture your self love? How does that love, you know, affect impact the love of your kids? You know. Mm-hmm tell us just a little bit about those dynamics
1: maybe yeah you know this this love feels like that grown love mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yes, that, I grown, do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that grown that yeah, grown love i
0: had some rehearsals <laughs> to get to the grown love
1: <laughs> i did right <laughs> yes yeah and i and that is not to invalidate any of the love in my life before that
0: Right. Yeah. You know, uh,
1: not everybody knows my story. I, I, I used to say I was never going to write a memoir because I just didn't feel like I had anything to write about. But I, I have this idea of of writing a memoir and it would be titled something like I was a teenage bride and other things people don't believe about me. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I'd buy that.
1: Because like when people. Right. Because like when people meet me now. They don't think that I could have ever been, like, dying to get married at 18, 19, and, like, thinking that was, like, that was the best thing I could do. Because as a Christian, right, you're supposed to, like, get married. Um, It's better to be married than to burn with lust. And I was burning with lust, let me tell you. So <laughs> I needed to get my behind married so I could act right. Let's get
0: married so we can have sex.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so we can have sex without guilt because there was already sex happening. Okay. Right. So much sex. (laughs) So (laughs) I just needed to clean it up apparently. And so I I thought that was, that's That's right. I thought that was the thing to do. And I, you know, I loved, I loved him. So, you know, it wasn't that I felt forced, um, but it, my only kind of framework was that that was the only way to redeem the sin we had already committed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wasn't able to kind of grow into the person I could be before that. And, you know, some people get married at 18, 19 and stay married forever and ever and ever, and they're happy and it's what they wanted. And, you know, so again, these are just, this is just my life and my choices. But this, this love, you know, so I've done that, been there, done that, married, you know, so I don't have these like... I don't need to get married. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I have to be in a relationship. Um, so this love, and when I when I say grown, feels like I'm choosing. Mm-hmm. There is this daily choice to come back to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you start dating again in your forties, you're not going you're gonna get people you're gonna get people with baggage, right? Like you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna get, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the v- the um,
0: untarnished one, or something, <laughs>
1: right? right. That's like, not p- just pick your baggage, right? There's going to be what kind? Some. Is it Kmart right. baggage? Is it Louis Vuitton Is it, baggage? <laughs> yeah. Is it carry-on? Is it a backpack? Exactly. Like, right. you yeah. know? So, uh, I think we we have a lot of lip service around loving people who mess up or who aren't perfect or who have mental health issues or have you know been in lots of different relationships or whatever like all these memes around relationships and if if they're like this then don't mess with them and and i feel like a grown love is a love that says i have stuff you have stuff and we're going to keep having stuff you know we're going to keep having that baggage the you just can basically choose someone to start unpacking that baggage with. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you can good. keep going through new people so that you mm-hmm. don't ever have to unpack your bag You can just keep it under your arm, keep it on your back. You never have to open it and yeah. you can keep doing that because they'll put up with that for a year or two or five. But eventually if you want to get past that, you have to just park it and decide to do that work. That's right. And, you know, so we started, we started therapy, like couples therapy, really early in our relationship. Mm. You know, because we didn't see it as a, as, as like a, you know, a bad sign that we were going to sit down with a professional and talk about our feelings and our families and all of our issues. It, it was like, this is an investment into this thing we're building together. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So it's, you know, it's a beautiful and difficult and rewarding and expansive love. It has allowed me to settle into parts of myself that I didn't really accept before. Mm -hmm. Um, Like settle into my own queerness. Mm -hmm. And because there were just things I knew about myself, but I had always kind of, well, doesn't everyone find everyone kind of attractive. <laughs> I just thought, I mean, that's just how right? it is, right? Like, Isn't that how I it didn't is? think that meant anything about me. Um, And so I've been able to understand that, you know, I am queer. I am. And that was happening, of course, before this relationship, but like really to be able to f- accept myself more and like be, you know with someone who's welcoming continuous revelations of myself yeah um that's just you know it's not so- this my person is not someone who wants me to stay the same they want me to grow and change and continue to f- to explore myself and and i from early on have been super committed to how do I help them explore who they are. And it's, that feels really, really good.
0: That's so good, sweetheart. I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad for that. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy to see you happy. So what oh, about this crazy you. world, Miss, Miss, Madam Justice? What about, <laughs> what, what about, like, the craziness that January 6th was not an insurrection and we shouldn't have a commission about it. What about we can't get rid of the filibuster? What about we can't get climate in the infrastructure bill? I mean, I just want to do a little mm. politics with you about yeah. the world, about Israel, Palestine, and, the you know, the, all the things, Mickey, that because we're global neighbors— affect our souls. Yeah. Do you have faith that the world can get better? Mm. And how can we make it better? What's love got to do with that? Well... i some Tina at uh,
1: you. <laughs> Right? Which, that her documentary was amazing, by the way, if you haven't seen it oh yet. Oh my gosh, Ooh, I haven't. Um, yeah. So, oh, so good. Gotta watch it. Um, and, like, this is one of... <sighs> I think this is one of the places where the people we love can help us. You know, I I, I feel like I keep going back to that, like how my children have shown me how to love, but I'm thinking about my partner, Leo, and how they just this deep compassion and, and insight that they bring that I sometimes, you know, maybe I'm checked out for the day or I'm focused on other things. And so being in relationship with them helps activate mm-hmm. the parts of my heart that have you know, kind of gotten a little solid and and hardened. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's such a beautiful thing. When mm-hmm. I'll tell you the, the other mm-hmm. day, they were dri- they were driving down the road and they passed what looked like to be a woman slumped over in a wheelchair at a bus stop. And they called me on the phone and said, Oh, wow. I, I, there's this woman at the bus stop and she is slumped over and, she, and I, I, I can't, I, it doesn't look like she's breathing. And what should I do? And, and I was just like, oh, Okay. Like, I, you know, just no lead in, just right to the story, you know? <laughs> and I just thought about how, so, how I would have just driven by. Mm. Like, I have to go pick up the kids or I'm going to the store. I probably wouldn't have thought to stop. I would have thought somebody's going to take care of her. Somebody else is going to show up at the bus stop and, you know. And so it helped me clue in to where I had just, you know, where am I not connecting to the people around me? Yeah. And so there's just, there's something about being in relationship with with other people who care about the world that can- help reawaken us when we're yep. just too exhausted yeah. to care anymore or we're just juggling a bunch of things or or whatever. I mean, you know, we're just not all going to stop at, at at the slumped over, you know, person at the bus stop all the time. And so we have to kind of um, you know, some of us pull forward and some of us pull back and we have to be there for each other. And so that really it was a small interaction. It was like You know, that's like hyper personal because I think sometimes for me, I can get so focused on like on those on the bills and on the, you know, Congress person and on the and that is definitely important. But the reason I care about that is because I also care about the individual at the bus stop. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be cultivating both of those things at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like cultivating those those relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah.
0: There was this uh, quote I found writing about you know about love the world. Rumi, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but something like, when you do something from your soul, it's a river moving, a joy, something like that. And it made me, of course, then you know, weird people that we are, scholar types, be like, oh, look, look up river. What, what's that guy? Why does he what? So I was just looking at, the, just paying attention to the word river in places, spaces, poems. And found this piece that talked about how a river is just like all of these adhered water droplets. Hmm. And I, I don't know. That just really struck me about the elasticity of water, uh, Mickey, about the power of water, about the flow of water. and ended up writing a little passage like, you know, we who are in these movements are a river. We are a river. We are a river water droplets adhere together, Mickey, you and me, Corey, mm-hmm. our producer, the people we know and love, Brian, you know, Jen, all the folks. And that, and that sometimes, you know, Leo is the drop who makes you pay attention to the person with the slumped over, you know, sometimes we'll tag mm-hmm. in, sometimes we'll tag out. Sometimes we're the ferocious one. Sometimes we're the, we're in the shallow. Sometimes we're in the deep end. But that river keeps moving and then there's always room for you to get back in. Does that resonate? That loving the yeah. world isn't an individual project, that it's a it's a whole river,
1: I don't
0: know, moving? Yeah.
1: And, I, you know, that's actually, I think, what keeps me, like, up at night or wakes me up in the morning. You know, it's like I, what I saw looking at the river of, of movement was that too many of us were getting dried up. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, physical ailments, you know, people getting sick, like, physic, not just sick and tired, that too, but, like, sick from movement.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Just ulcers and cancer. And, and I'm not trying to blame anybody for what happens to them. Like, disease happens. My mom didn't get sick because she wasn't wearing a mask or wasn't doing what the CDC said. People get sick but there is so much stress on our bodies. Yeah. And when we just when we also then treat each other inside of these movements where we're supposedly trying to birth more love and justice into the world and we still use each other up and abuse each other and harm each other it, it, we take each other out and we take ourselves out and you know, we don't have to do 12-hour days. Injustice will be there tomorrow. Like, go yes. go to bed, yeah. you know? And so I just, I was like, there has to be another way. Yeah. And that's when I started thinking about movement chaplaincy and how we could, how do we actually say that movement, healing isn't separate from movement. Accompaniment and care isn't separate from movement, is not separate from social change. Yeah. In fact, we must have this deep soul force inside of us and connected between us in order to do this work. And that's where movement chaplaincy and daring compassion, all of that came from because I just, I can't stand losing us. To trying to make our lives better. It just doesn't make sense. There has to be a deep
0: connection between the way we love ourselves, the way we love the people, the way we love the world, all around and around and around. You can't do the work of movement building without loving yourself. You can't do you can't. And you can't no. um we can't. So I love that. I wanted to make sure we got there to to hear you say that for us beautifully, like you did. Okay. What do you know for sure about love? Hmm.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I was with Randy and Edith Woodley one time at their hmm. farm in Oregon, indigenous scholars and and mentors and um, elders. And, and, you know, I, I was talking to Randy about being discouraged. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said, and I said to him what we often chant. I said, I, I believe that we will win. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what if we don't? Hmm. He said, if we don't, it's still the right thing to do. Wow. Yeah. And so we need to do it. And, you know, I still do that chant. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes up at a at a protest and I'm okay with just doing the right thing even if that doesn't mean we win whatever that means yeah in my life in my lifetime or maybe even the lifetime to come but hopefully I've contributed to what'll get us there and so you know I don't know that I don't know what I know for sure about love but I know that I can keep loving in the best way that I know how mm-hmm. and keep trying to receive love yeah when it's given to me and just keep going towards the fit the things that feel like love mm-hmm. you know that feel like I feel like when I feel loved right like yeah. uh, like a dance or a, a piece of music or um, a, a long conversation with someone or a, a friend delivering food to my house, you know, sitting by somebody's bedside. I just keep trying and keep feeling that flow of love. And I know that if I keep doing those things, I'll, I'll hopefully feel more sure about what, lo- what it actually means to receive and practice love. Thank you, Mickey. My pleasure.
0: I'm glad to talk to you today. <laughs> Be well, love. I'm so glad.
1: Thank you. Love period
0: is... Corey Big, Paul Swanson. Izzy Spitz. Sarah Janzak. Jenna Kuyper Sarah Palmer Nicholas Kramer and I'm Calissa Brewster.
1: This podcast is produced by the Center for Action and Contemplation, which is located in the heart of New Mexico. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. We also have other podcasts you might like. You can find those wherever you like to listen
0: by searching for Center for Action and Contemplation or visit us at CAC.org to find out more about our other programs. From the high desert of New Mexico, we wish you peace and every good.